0: Well good evening ladies and gentlemen, nice see on this is the podcast, currently Vance Local Forces and LinkedIn. I'm your host, Doug Munda Ontario, Canada. Thank you for joining me this afternoon or this evening at 5.40 p.m. here in Southern Ontario, Canada. Mandatory vaccines for cross-border truckers coming to a border near you. Canada, and uh, the United States, Mexico. Oh, thank you for joining us. Well, hello everybody. How's everybody been? I had a really, uh, you know, kind of a busy weekend, Uh, so I wasn't out, you know, doing my, my normal, you know, Sunday morning show and that stuff. So anyways, today is Tuesday, and this is the 19th of October, and a beautiful day, I may add, you know, in the low 70s uh sunny skies just a a great evening out there um so you know if you're here in southern ontario i mean get out for your walks and enjoy the weather and that right now as we can and uh yeah so how's everybody been i hope you've been well and i hope you've been safe and that so you know, I get a, uh, an email and, uh, it's from company that I work for, um, talking about, uh, the mandated, um, vaccines for cross border, um, truckers now, you know, throughout this, um, Pandemic, you know, for essential workers, you know, crossing the border between Canada and the United States, and that's the land border. And that's all who could cross, um, you know, until, you know, you know, August, it was when Canada opened up its land borders to fully vaccinated Americans but the truck drivers and the essential workers were always able to cross the land borders between Canada and the United States without any problems whatsoever. Now. This coming out, you know, um, in the email I got and it's kind of like. I must have missed something. You know, Um I know the United States is um, opening um, the land border on their side of the border for non-essential travelers. So that means you can cross the land border. But, of course, you have to have um, a negative test. Going into the United States. Now, if they're going to make it... um, mandatory for truck drivers to be fully vaccinated Then for non-essential travelers just to go over to, uh, into Buffalo or going into Port Huron, uh, wherever you're going to cross the border in the United States to, to spend the day and go shopping. You know, yeah, there is a lot of long haul truckers that cross the border into the United States, but there's also the truckers that only spend the day there and come right back. Now, you will have to show that you're fully vaccinated, obviously, um, for land for for non-essential travel. You'll have to have the PCR test done 72 hours prior to arrival. Now, what is this gonna work for drivers? I mean, are drivers gonna to have to have the PCR test done 72 hours prior to arrival? I mean, that would not even work in the, in the uh, supply chain. That, that would just be absolutely impossible for that to work. We cross the border every single day between Canada and the United States. Coming, this will be coming effective in 2022 January, that cross-border truck drivers will need to prove that they are fully vaccinated against COVID-19 beginning in early January under a series of measures that will also see more non-essential travelers return to land and ferry crossings. This approach will, they're saying that it will provide ample time for essential travelers such as truckers, students, and healthcare workers to get vaccinated. This is the U.S. Secretary of Homeland Security. This new travel system will create consistent, stringent protocols for all foreign nationals traveling to the United States, whether by air, land, or ferry. Now, Canada and the U.S. restriction of non-essential travel along the land borders beginning was beginning at uh, March 21, 2020. And of course, like I said, Canada open up their land border to fully vaccinated U.S. travelers in August and will begin to remit vaccinated nonessential travelers in November. That's the United States. Now the existing restrictions were set to expire October 21st, but will be extended until the new rules are in place whenever that's going to be, when you can have your new rules in place in the United States. You know, uh, questions remain as to whether the United States will recognize those with mixed vaccine doses and what types of documents will be needed to prove that they're the the vaccine status. They already said that they are going to allow people into the United States that have mixed vaccines. That was already been established. now, the trucking industry, you know, in, in the supply chain, I mean, I wish I could go into details about the supply chain, but it, it, is, so, it, it is so complicated. It is so complex, the supply chain for the um, delivery of goods um, crossing both into Canada and the United States. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Very complex. Now, transportation uh, companies uh, here, uh, trucking companies, um, the cross-border fleet headquarters, you know, talking about you know even in the trucking industry how are you doing today thank you for joining me here on the truckers podcast i hope so far that i know it's only tuesday so i hope you're having a good week so far you know so i hope you had a good weekend now with things getting ready um for the United States to open up the land borders um, to fully vaccinated um, Canadians. Now they are looking at the trucking industry that all truckers are to be fully vaccinated by January. In order to continue crossing the land border into the United States, which truck drivers and essential workers, like I said before you came on the show, have always been able to cross the land border into the United States and vice versa back into Canada. Now, Canada opened up its land borders back in August to fully vaccinated Americans. And then later on, we have opened it up to international travel. Now, with the United States opening up their land border sometime in November for non-essential travel to fully vaccinated individuals, now including healthcare workers that work in the United States from Canada and truckers crossing the land borders now for non-essential travelers as I understand of what I've I I have read about it is that um, prior to your arrival you know Canadians going into the United States um, you have to have the the PCR test done 72 hours prior to that And then, of course, you have to show, I don't know why they're, you know, they put it this way, that you have to show that you're, you know, you're negative coming back into Canada. But that 72-hour PCR test, I mean, if you're just going over there do some day shopping, you know, eat out at a restaurant, maybe visit some friends that you know, you know, in the United States, and coming back the same day um our public health minister or whatever like that said no it's you know that 72 hours um, with that PCR test you can come back into canada with you don't have to seek a place in the united states to get another covid negative test to come back the same day it's if you're going to be away for some time you know here we are into the fall and you know people you know, are, are looking forward to spending their winters down in Florida, in Arizona, California. And they stay down there from, you know, um, the end of October all the way till April. Some even May, and then they then they come back home to Canada. You know, that's something then, you know, you would have to have a negative, another negative test to come back home. And that's something that you would have to provide. But anyways, now when it comes to the trucking industry and the supply chain, and like I said, you know, I would like to go into, you know, what the supply chain uh, is all about, but it's a very complex, very complicated um, business with, with trade and movements of goods and how it all works. Now, a company um, or trucking companies here in, in, here in Ontario, Canada, um, talking about, you know, expressing their concerns about the impact the vaccine mandate could have on the supply chains, like I said, right? And unfortunately, the percentage of people who are unvaccinated have, not, have, have no intentions of getting vaccinated, he said. And this trucking company is already short of drivers to handle the freight that he has already. We have, uh, you know, throughout all the years that I've been driving, over 30 years that I've been driving, there's always been a shortage in the industry. Now, as we're looking right now here, as they would call the second uh, quarter, you know, there's something like 18,000 driver vacancies already in the second quarter of this year, 18,000 vacancies. And growing now for you know the truck drivers that you know they they've been doing this you know most of their life or all of their lives and how many drivers you know now are just gonna just walk away you know because now essential workers such as truckers and healthcare workers that work stateside will have to be fully vaccinated as well. And that has not always been the case throughout this pandemic for essential workers only. Now, Canada and the United States, um, they restricted the non-essential travel along with land border uh, beginning back in March of 2020. And while Canada, like I said, we had reopened our, our borders, our land borders, to fully vaccinated travelers um, back in August. Now, the mandate could be a factor that pushes other drivers away from cross-border work. Right? So now they're just going to be looking for home daily and um don't have to worry about crossing the border. Um, I haven't crossed the land border in many years. Um, I, I am a, uh, you know, Monday to Friday, home every night, weekends off. I did my time. You know, almost 17 years. Of cross-border trucking in my career now how is this going to affect um, the supply chain you know if we get you know a lot of drivers to say you know I'm done you know Now, they're talking about this now, whether they're going to do this or not for essential workers, you know, but if the vaccines are actually mandated, he worries that Canada could be short, close to about 15,000 truck drivers based on the vaccination rates for the general population. And the big issue we're running into here is we're already have a severe supply chain shortage. And I'm sure you may even be seeing that where you live right now. I mean, there's stuff just not getting off the docks. Like I was reading an article the other day, and the the cargo ships, you know, in the docks in California, there's something like 80,000 containers sitting on the docks. I can't make that number up. And that's due to shortage of workers. And of course, you know, what else is going on? You know, oh gee, the pandemic is part of the problem too. You know, when businesses shut down and everything else like that, we can't do nothing. But anyways, when you when you you know, when you have that much um Shorter the workers that you can't move the containers in, and get the shipments going. And, you know, I've noticed, you know, just where I work that uh, I'm not delivering much freight and I'm not picking up much freight. The last couple of weeks, you know, I'm, I'm working, you know, about eight hours in a day when I'm normally working anywhere from 12 to 13 hours a day. And I don't expect that probably not to, you know, to change anytime soon, you know, because, you know, the movements of of goods is is, just seems to be getting slower and slower. And, you know, never mind, you know, the cost of fuel going up, cost of insurance going up. And that gets passed on to the uh, consumers. You know, with shortage, with a shortage of drivers already that we face, and we've always faced shortage of drivers, you know, people not, you know, wanting to get into the trucking, uh, trucking industry for whatever reasons. You know? Um, so it's probably safe to assume... Like the general population, about 20% of truck drivers remain unvaccinated. We're looking at a 20% reduction in our cross-border workforce at a time when we're trying to fill the seats. South of the border, the American Trucking Association has also raised concerns about plans for a vaccination mandate that would apply To any business with more than 100 employees. Now, in a survey conducted in mid September, just 29% surveyed today's trucking readers said their workplaces require employees to be vaccinated against the COVID 19. 27% said they would consider leaving their job if their employer required people to be vaccinated. And 32% said a significant share of the trucking industry workforce would quit their jobs if required to get vaccinated. The survey had 554 respondents. Now, you leave the company that you work for, fine. You know... Um, or you re- like leave it however you want to leave it you don't want to retire or you know just because you want to get vaccinated and i said this about a week ago and i said that i wouldn't be too surprised that all sectors require all employees to be vaccinated general motors of canada announced the other day that every single employee must be fully vaccinated by a certain amount of time. Ford and Chrysler following suit. Now, that's the big three automakers mandating that their employees be vaccinated. And not only that, when it comes to Chrysler, General Motors, and Ford. Anybody going on the property, and that includes truck drivers, have to show proof of vaccination for deliveries in and out of the plants. So whether they leave their jobs because, hey, you know what? I don't want to get vaccinated. I'm going to work someplace else. Well, it just may be something that they're going to run into that, you know, I will not be surprised, you know, across all sectors that everyone and every workplace will mandate a vaccine policy. And as we're seeing it in a lot of businesses, not just in the healthcare, but now coming from the big three automakers here in Canada, now the growing shortage of, um, Growing shortage of, of, of the truckers. Like I said, Canada, Canada here, you know, we're short eighteen thousand truck drivers in the second quarter. And this is eighteen thousand of Canada's trucking driving jobs were vacant in the second quarter of two thousand and twenty-one. Leaving seventy-two percent of surveyed employee employers to identify driver recruitment as a, as a uh, significant business challenge. So how, you know, I mean, how to, how, how do we get people, you know, interested um, in this line of work? Well, one, you generally won't be out of work you know, unless the company closes for for whatever reasons, but um, there's lots of trucking companies out there that, you know, you will never be at work. The pay is not so bad. Considering, you know, if you work in in the manufacturer, you work in warehousing, or you work in fast foods or, or wherever you choose to work, you know, and in the trucking industry, you know, you're making 50000 plus a year. That's well, not a bad pay. Considering everything's going up in price anyways. Now. Yeah. People don't want to be away from home from their families. They don't want to have to go on long trips and, you know, be away for a week at a time. And I was like, that's, I mean, how do you get people to make that sacrifice? You know, well, you don't have to do it for the rest of your life. You don't have to be a long haul trucker for the rest of your life. You can go out for a year, year and a half. And, you know, maybe the company that you're driving for has a position for you to be home daily. Lots of other companies out there, trucking companies, will may have a seat in that truck for you to be home daily on a regular basis after you put in your time. And believe me, I put in my sh- my fair share of miles over my, over my career. And I chose to stay out doing long haul. For as long as I did. But long before the pandemic came along. I decided that. You know I just want to be home on a regular basis. And you know. Being ex- experienced as I am. Certainly wasn't hard to find. A job that. I that would allow me to work Monday to Friday and be off weekends. And the same thing can go for new recruits coming into the industry. You don't have to spend your whole trucking career over the road. Money's good. Benefits are good. And that's another important thing to families is benefits. Where a lot of a lot of people are making minimum wage and, and that and stuff like that, you don't have benefits. Larger companies, trucking companies, places like that. Unless you get into healthcare and, and anything else you want to do, that you know, going to provide benefits because that's really important for the family. It's really important for yourself that you have benefits. What else could I tell you? You know about the industry um you know if, if if you ever thought of even being common becoming an owner operator meaning that you own the truck and you put it on with a company you're you are your own boss now you go and make as much money as you want but remember you know you got bills to pay and you got truck payments to make and maybe repair uh, payments to make if you need any repairs and, and the upkeep and the maintenance of the truck. So it's not like, oh, I'll just do a, a run this week and I'll take a, a week off or whatever uh, uh, thing like that. When you're an owner operator, you're going to be, you know, you're going to work quite a bit. Working for a company, you know, man, it's not, you know, it. it's it, it, how can I explain this? It's it's, um, you get time to get to where you're going, you know? Um, yeah, you hear about, you know, trucking companies out there, you know, the, the dispatchers, you know, um, forcing you to keep driving and, and stuff like that. I mean, that does happen, you know? And that tells you that you are not working for the right company. So, you know, you want to do your research on trucking companies. You want to go out there and and talk to truckers out there um, who they're driving for, what it's like driving for them. You know, you don't want to get into a situation uh, where you're just going to turn that rig around and tell the employer to shove it. You know, believe me, I have done that. Now, the shortest is, you know, the vacancies. You know, they're talking that, you know, they're going to be expected to ease somewhat after 2021. And Canada projects the industry will will, um, annually face 17,230 truck driver vacancies in the coming years. That's a lot of vacancies in this industry. Over 17,000 vacancies in the trucking industry. Now, mandating the vaccine rules, whether they're going to whether they're going to do that, they're talking about it, whether that's going to take place for essential Workers such as truckers and healthcare professionals who have been crossing the land borders on a daily basis throughout this pandemic? You know, are they going to take a closer look, you know, at the supply chain, which is so vital to both Canada and the United States of the movement of freight? twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. It doesn't stop. Now, how do drivers feel about that? I don't know. Now, the other thing that too would fate what people face to you know, when they're talking, you know, maybe you want to get into the industry, you know, here, here in Ontario, um, the training course is something like 100, 105.5 hours of, um, of training in class and driving time, you know, even before you book a road test. And it, and it ranges anywhere from 8000 to $10,000 to get your commercial driver's license here in Ontario. These are independently owned truck driving schools. And, you know, the Ontario Truck Driving Association... You know, they've always talked about the shortage of, of drivers. And, um, but they never talk about who's going to finance that. It's not like you can go and get a student loan. You know, your bank maybe might loan you the money. Maybe you got some savings. Maybe dip into your retirement saving plans borrow money from family. You know, um, I think that the government, um, even at the provincial level, um, you know, here in Ontario, um, should have and, and should maybe help people out who want to get their commercial driver's license. You know, a small government loan of $10,000, you know, you're going to pay that, you're going to pay that back, you know, over time, you know, with low interest and you'd be off and running. You know, I mean, how many people right now we think about it, you know, throughout everything that's happened in the last almost two years, you know, um, you know, people sitting around with with, with this money in their bank, you know, been out of work for, you know, a good period of of this pandemic and already um, low wages for a lot of people. And even in the food industry, you know, people are walking away from the rest from the restaurant industry because, you know, the one of the hardest hit sectors, you know, throughout this pandemic. And where are they moving off to, you know, for other work, you know, could be in warehousing, you know, maybe looking for that office job, you know, or, or whatever the case may be in manufacturing. You know whatever but um the trucking industry i mean we need drivers and we're always going to need drivers you know um as the population in the trucking industry um keeps growing you know in age you know a lot of us drivers are out there you know are in our late fifties and we're looking at retirement. Some may just want to just do it part time, you know, for something to do, keep themselves busy if they do decide to retire. But we need good people. We need good dedicated people. You know, to um, get behind. Uh, the wheel of a big rig, and, um, you know, keep, keep the goods, keep the goods flowing, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm lucky to, you know, this company that I work for now, um, you know, going on four years, you know, it's a really good company to, uh, company to work for, you um, and that's why I'm, you know, sticking around with them, you know, because, uh, I don't have any, I don't have any complaints and I don't have any complaints about over the years that I did over the road, neither, you know, I chose to stay out there for as long as I did, you know, so, um, the journey was fun. I mean, I, I, got to see a lot of cool places, got to meet a lot of nice people, you know, through my travels throughout the United States and that, and, um, so both, you know, young truck drivers to, you know, um, up to the age of 24 um, were more likely than their older peers to be laid off during the pandemic and many left the, the labor force altogether and that the canada uh, the, the trucking hr canada adds that the labor force for young truck drivers was down 38 percent over a year in january of 2021 but the number of truck drivers age 55 and over um, has expanded and while women, you know, in the industry, you know, that accounts for 3.7% of truck driving jobs. They, they're representative of 15.9% of the drop in employed truck drivers during the second quarter. Most of those who lost their jobs also left the labor force, although the share of female drivers recovered to the pre. Uh, pandemic levels by June. Our labor shortages impact critical sectors of the Canadian economy, and as we have seen in other parts of the world, a strong trucking and logistics sector is needed to support supply chain s- uh, stability. And failure to better address the acute shortage of truck drivers has the potential to stifle and delay the country's economic recovery. And it's like anywhere, the facts emerged against the backdrop of the acute driver shortages in the United Kingdom, where Panda consumers have been draining fuel stations dry. That's absolutely insane. I mean, what is going on to the United Kingdom? And while the causes of the UK driver shortages are, are um, manced in context specific, Perfect storm, represented by the crisis, rises important questions about the driver shortage in Canada. And could this, you know, be a start of the perfect storm, you know, if in fact, truck drivers will have to be fully vaccinated In order to cross the land border. Starting January 2022. I guess that's something that's going to have to be, you know, discussed with both governments here in Canada, in the United States, trucking industry in the United States here in Canada. Now, depending on where you are in the part of the world, you know, maybe yourself have thought about being a truck driver and that you'd have to talk to, you know, with the state, local local officials and companies. And how about you, how, how do you go about getting a license to drive a transport wherever you are? In this crazy world that we live in. You know, um, like I said, here in Ontario, Canada, it's mandatory that you take an accredited course. Here in Ontario, it's over 105 hours. You must be a licensed driver already, holding a G driver's license, before you can even write the test. Of course, you have to have a medical done, and then find the the funds in order to take that course, which is anywhere from eight to ten thousand dollars in order to get your your trucking license here in Ontario, Canada. So it could be quite expensive, and that plays a lot of I think that plays a lot on on, on the shortage Um, also um, as well in the trucking industry and it always has more so now that it's mandatory, you know, in order that you have to take these, uh, this course in order to get your commercial driver's license. Whereas I was, you know, well over 20 years ago, you know, I mean, it cost me $100 to get my commercial driver's license. So, $100 compared compare to 8000 to 10000 you know, that's huge. And being mandatory to take that. Accredited course. In order to get your driver's license. Now the trucking industry. These trucking companies. You know. I mean they are. You know concerned. You know how this is going to. um, Affect. um, The supply chain. um, How do drivers. um, Feel about it. Our drivers just going to just leave the industry and move on. Um, who knows? We'll have to just wait to see what happens. You know? Now, you know, I was, was going to talk about this um, when this uh, took place. Now, uh, our premier here in the province of Ontario, Um, sometimes he puts his foot in his mouth when he shouldn't, really, honestly. You know, when it comes to, you know, commenting on immigration or just commenting on immigrants' as well, right? Like back, I think it was, well, two years going on now. Um, Here in North America, you may be familiar um, with Don Cherry. He was the uh, color commentator on the National Hockey League, Coach's Corner. And the two words that he chose Got him into trouble. And those two words were you people, referring to immigrants. That got him fired. Now, Premier Doug Ford, um, he refuses to apologize. his comments and I you know I'm thinking to myself you know Dougie Ford you know what you said you know um, you really didn't think it through when you opened up your mouth you know now what he said was is that if you think you are going to come here to Ontario and just sit around and collect the dough. You got another thing coming. As to say that, ref- or that, that immigrants just come to Canada to sit on the welfare system and do nothing when well, that's not the case. You know, immigration is the foundation of who we are today. It was built on immigration. Now, for Dougie Ford, our premier, to say that, you know, I was kind of, you know, it's like, wow, you actually said that. About immigrants coming here thinking that they're they're just going to sit around and collect their dough. You know, and he's not going to apologize for what he said. You know, when, like I said, Don Cherry. Says you people. And this, now that statement with Don Cherry said a couple years ago, you know, it was a time, it was coming up on Remembrance Day. And here in Canada, uh, we buy poppies um, in, in to support our, our veterans of our military. And, you know, his statement, Don Cherry's statement was kind of on the line of like, uh, you know, you people, you come here. Uh, And you like our milk and honey and you like your freedom Then buy a poppy. But those two words, you people. And then Doug Ford, the premier of Ontario, is saying, if you think you're going to come here and sit around and collect the dough... You know, you got another thing coming. Now, of course, he's gotten a lot of backlash, you know, from other politicians. Backlash from Immigration Canada, backlash from just me, Canadians. Saying, Dougie Ford, you need to apologize. You know to people that um come to canada and and want to be part of a society and they want to work and they want to grow and they want to you know have a life you know not come here and, and sit around and, and collect the dough that's just Why would our premier even say something like that? I have no idea. But he does need to apologize or he somehow needs to, you know, say it in a manner, not meaning the way, maybe the way he said it, maybe the way he said it, he doesn't think he needs to apologize. But I think he does. You know, maybe better explain himself on what he meant. But that didn't do anything for Don Cherry, you know. But let's see, who's gonna fire who's gonna fire the premier? The only people that can fire the premier is we the voters. Can only fire him. Now, Don Cherry, you know, working for um uh Television, you know, well, television can fire you know, for his comments made about uh, you people, which is just not polit- politically correct, you know, and it's not politically correct for Doug Ford, you know, to say to immigrants coming here, you know, thinking that you're going to come here and sit around and collect the dough. You know, that's, that's ridiculous. You know, so whether he'll have a change of mind to apologize, I don't know. Doesn't sound like it so far. Who knows? You know, but I don't think it's, you know, what he said was, um, Was really actually a good thing. And what he's doing is showing stereotypes of immigrants that create dislikes, that create division, that create a situation where people assume that what the premier says is correct and it's not correct. Now, whoever, however he chooses his wording, you know, he certainly wasn't very careful at it. That's for sure. He didn't really think things through. And sometimes, you know, we speak before we think. And once those words get out there, you can't take it back. You know, especially, you know, when you you start offending people. You know. Now, some people were saying, you know, well, to give Ford the benefit of the doubt, saying that at the very least the language was poorly chosen. Well, it was poorly chosen and at least admit that the language was poorly chosen and explain yourself. He's given the opportunity to do just that. And he's saying that he's not going to apologize for the comments about immigration. So to me, he meant to say what he did and what he said. He meant to say it that way, as far as I'm concerned. Will I give him the benefit of of the doubt? No, absolutely not. If he had turned around and said, oh, wait a second, this is what I actually meant. You know, those words that I chose weren't the right words. And, you know, just, you know, speaking off the top of my head and the tongue slip and, and you know, these words come out. No, he's not even going to do that. So, you know, I, I don't know. You know, it's... um. I don't know why he won't. You know, he just refuses to apologize. You know, he says he's for the people. You know, um, that's how he got elected, by the way. You know, I'm for the people. Vote for me. So you know when he when he said when he said that you know when he when during the election you know for the premier's job. I'm for the people for the people of Ontario. And what did he do? The first thing that he did when he took office was he froze the minimum wage at $14 an hour and it was going to go up to $15. How is that for the people? Oh, and by the way, you know minimum wage went from $14.25 to $14.35 a 10 cent raise what a slap in the face you know for many many people you know i mean that's the starting wage 14.35 should be up to 15. It should actually be more than that. It should be a livable wage. And right now where the things are headed and the things are going up in costs, not just your electricity bill, your hydro bills or whatever, and your water bills. Groceries. Rent is going up. But wages, what's a livable wage? Well, we could say, well, depending on where you live. Well, uh, Toronto, Ontario, Canada is one of the most expensive places to live. Montreal, Ottawa, Vancouver. You know, when you have rents that are anywhere from a one-bedroom, you know, $1,200 and up. I don't know how anybody can even could be making $16 an hour and paying for a one-bedroom apartment $1,200 or more. I mean, how do you afford that on $16 an hour? Should a livable wage, you know, go from cities to cities, depending on how expensive is, is it to live there? You know, so maybe a starting wage, a livable starting wage in Toronto should be $25 an hour. You know, here in the city of London where I reside, you know, rents, you know, well, depending what you want, you know, um, $800, you know, and, and it's, you know, for an apartment starting at 800 you know, going well over $1,000 for a one-bedroom apartment. Two bedrooms, $1,500. 3 bedrooms, 1700 People who rent their homes or whatever for, for second incomes or stuff like that, you know, for a three-bedroom house, 2400 So, here in the City of London, I mean, the average cost of a home right now, if you want to buy a home, is average about $650,000 for a home. That's the average. Now, Rents are going up. Wages are staying down. What's a livable wage here for the city that I live in? I would say about $22 an hour. And that's with both people working in the household. We can't do it. We can't do it anymore. You know, Like it was when I was growing up, you know, growing up in the 60s and that, you know, dad went to work, you know, mom, you know, stay home mom, you know, that doesn't work anymore. With the cost of inflation, you know. And, and, you know, we're, we're having a, a supply, a, a, a supply chain shortage as it is. And certainly this pandemic hasn't helped. It's put a lot of strain on a lot of families and the low wage earners. You know, the non as they would classify them as a non-essential workers, you know, working in the retail sectors and going in in and out of of closures throughout this pandemic. Yes, the government, you know, um, sending out $500 a week to people who need it. But that all comes to an end. And the people not being able to find work afterwards. You know, I, I would frequent this this, this pub that, that that I would go to downtown. You know, um, you know, and recently, you know, uh, since the springtime, since the, you know they've been able to open, and that and new staff. But there's also a shortage in that sector as well. So many people had left. You know, it's just, you know, it's just not, you know, yeah, we have, we've always had a large shortage here in the trucking industry and we're always going to have that. But I think, you know, they really need to take a hard line look at when it comes to mandating vaccines, whereas the essential workers, like the truckers and healthcare workers that's always crossed the land border throughout this entire pandemic, you know, How is this going to play out? I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. Hope it doesn't affect our our, our supply our supply chain um, even more than it already has. You know, we'll have to just wait to see what happens. But um, yeah, I did want to I did want to bring this up about um, our premiere and what he said about you know, immigration and stuff like that and and always claiming that he's for the people and, you know, the hard-working people out there, you know, um, minimum wage workers, people who, you know, are just maybe over the poverty line or they're just under that poverty line. um, No, the, the minimum wage should already have gone up you know dramatically more than it has that it has gone up you know um, I don't mind paying a few dollars more for merchandise you know and have a, a whole lot you know happier you know employees I don't know, but I just think, you know, raising the minimum wage by 10 cents was just a slap in the face. Yeah. There are companies out there that are paying more than 1435, you know, but still, you know, that's the starting wage and if people want employers and want employees. You know, and and you want your employees to stick around. You know, pay a decent wage. Pay a living wage. Is what they need to do. I guess we'll see what happens with that. But until the next time I come out here, ladies and gentlemen, I thank you. For joining me here on this um, rare Tuesday evening that I come out. And um, like I say, work is a little slow right now. So, you know, generally I'm out here on the weekends, you know, Saturday mornings and and Sunday mornings um, and that. But um, if I get the opportunity uh, to be out here during the weekdays, you know, I'm going to take that opportunity and uh, come out here and talk to you. And um, I appreciate you coming on the show, taking the time out of your busy schedules uh, to join me here uh, on the Trucker's Podcast. And I thank you for that. This is the Trucker's Podcast. I'm your host, Doug. London, Ontario, Canada Thank you for joining me this evening Take care Be safe